Alright, hello and welcome everyone for the fourth official episode of the Sunday Night Drive Tech Podcast. I'm joined again with Noah today. Noah, how's it going today? It's going amazing. It's Sunday, it's sunny out, and we got two backseat drivers with us and I can't wait to introduce them, but Jake's going to go ahead and do that. Alright, so today with us we actually have our two backseat drivers, as Noah mentioned. First, Dylan. Dylan, how's it going today? Oh, not too bad. Noah's right. It's uh, really nice and warm outside today. It is pretty warm. And then we have Brennan over here also. Brennan, how's it going? Howdy, hey. All right. Let's get right into it. We have a lot of things to talk about today. So we have a few tech deals to kind of start off the week. Um, we don't have too many updates on our tech troubles, so we're just going to kind of blast through that pretty quickly. And then we have some new phones to talk about this week. We have the OnePlus 7 Pro, which was released last week. Really excited to talk about that. The Google Pixel 3a uh, released not too long ago also. So we're going to kind of jump right into it. Noah, let's hear about your tech deal this week. Sure. So I was at Walmart and I found these awesome wireless earbuds and I just had to have them. They're 20 bucks. They're the Skull Candy Jib Plus wireless earbuds. They offer uh, a microphone and, and great listening quality. They have three buttons to skip music, go back a song, turn up the volume, lower the volume. And you can answer your calls on them and just about anything you can do with headphones, but they're nice, wireless, and cheap. So I, I went ahead and picked those up, and so far, after using them, they sound really great. And Dylan, I think you have taken an interest in them as well. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm looking at a pair right now that he has sitting here. These look really nice. They're very light, and the cord's nice and short. There isn't a whole lot hanging off of these. They're really nice for 20 bucks, I would say. Not as short as Apple AirPods, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, do you have anything else to talk about with these, Noah? No, they're great. The link will be in the, uh, the description we always put for SundayNightDrive.tech. Awesome. I actually went ahead and uh, picked out a pair of earbuds myself. So they're actually pretty similar to the ones that you're using. Also, uh, a set of like wireless earbuds, obviously, with the cord connecting the two earpieces. But these are actually ones that I use on a daily basis. They're the Vava Move 28s. They come in at $33.99 on Amazon right now. Uh, I think they're a pretty great deal. They come with three different types of ear tips, the small, medium, and large. I believe I use just the regular medium ear tips. It also comes with two sets of ear hooks, that, so they kind of hook into your ear really well. You can move all around, do a lot of stuff, and you know they're not going to come out of your ears. One of the other things that I really like, too, is that they have a little bit of a magnetic clip on the back. So actually, when you hook them around your uh, neck and you let them fall down the uh, two backs of the earbuds actually click together because they're magnetic and they're they're pretty nice they say that uh, they should last for about nine hours of playback per two hours of charging they're uh, they're a really nice set of earbuds and they're really good at noise cancellation they really block out all the noise in the classroom I know that when I'm sitting in class doing some research for the podcast it's not uh, it's not super distracting hearing other people talk and things uh, about their projects and whatnot, I'm able to really focus in on what I'm listening to. In kind of in that package that they come with, it's just a small micro USB cable, a little cable clip, and a small drawstring uh, pouch. It, it's pretty nice, coming in at $33.99, as I mentioned earlier. And just for comparison, so the Apple AirPods 2 that just came out are right now $159.99, and the Apple AirPods 2 with the wireless charging case are $199.99. So at a fraction of the cost, you're getting a set of great sounding earbuds. You know, they aren't completely wireless. They do still have that wire in between. But I still think that they're a really great deal for the price. Now those, are, are they, do they come close to the advertised battery life? Or are they some, some drawbacks? There? So actually, Brennan, in my experience, I last charged them 
probably a couple weeks ago and I use them almost every day in class. So I don't use them for like a continuous period of time, but I generally listen to either a keynote speech or I listen to some other videos and stuff like that probably at least an hour a day with them and i've i don't remember the last time i charged them to be honest with oh, okay you. so they are uh, they are pretty nice you know what on a note um i don't think i mentioned this for my earbuds they have about six hours advertised and i haven't had them longer than 12 hours yet so i haven't been <laughs> able to test that but i'm sure they're they're gonna come close to advertise they are skull candy so yeah they're a pretty trustworthy brand yeah, so should we move on to the OnePlus 7 Pro? I'm pretty excited for that. Yeah, um, I do want to first mention that our tech troubles of the week. Uh, we haven't had too many of those this week, and we don't really have any updates on our ones from last week. So we're going to kind of move into the main content of the, uh, of the show today. The thing I'm really excited to talk about, so this is the OnePlus 7 Pro. So, Noah, you and I watched the event last week, last Tuesday. Uh, I was actually telling you, my, my friend Alec actually went up to the uh, to the event in New York for the, the revealing of the OnePlus 7 Pro. It's really a pretty awesome looking phone, what yeah, do you say? It's awesome. And ignoring the front-facing camera for now, just the notchless front screen and the screen itself. Are, are two things that I think OnePlus hit the ground running with. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that was one of the main points. And then the front-facing camera, that was also a little interesting, and we'll get into that. And then they had the, the back camera, which they did a lot of upgrades to, and made it a really quality camera. So um, just to kind of jump right into it, as far as the actual tech specs of the phone goes, no surprises here. Latest from Qualcomm, the Snapdragon A55 processor, an Adreno 640 GPU, and you can get either 6, 8, or 12 gigabytes of RAM. That's insane. That is so much for a phone. And then you have either 128 or 256 gigabytes of the new U of S 3.0 standard of your storage. And the phone actually comes with a 4,000 milliamp hour battery as well. Just kind of the throwing the specs out there. What do you, what are you guys thinking about how this phone sounds so far? Pretty, pretty flagship material, right? I would say. I love the camera. We'll, uh, we'll jump uh, right into that here. <laughs> I was waiting about here. to talk about the yeah. camera. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, the specs um, are great. Like that's that's how much RAM I have in my laptop right now. Twelve gigs. It's insane that they're packing that much into a phone nowadays. They're actually advertising that that whole RAM thing. They said something crazy like sixty four apps simultaneous. Something that's really weird like insane. that. I don't know how much I buy that, but obviously we'll we'll have to really see uh, once we get that once we get that in hand. Just to talk about the front a little bit, like Noah was talking about, it's pretty well an all screen front. It's what they call their fluid AMOLED display. It's uh, all coated in a nice Corning Gorilla Glass Six glass, so it's gonna be gonna be nice and sturdy. Obviously, probably not like indestructible, but it's it's gonna be pretty sturdy. And it's a six point six seven inch fluid AMOLED display uh, with a ninety three point two percent screen to body ratio. Impressive. And no notch. I'm a fan of no notch. I, that was one of the trends that I did not like at all. I'm happy to see that they're finding creative solutions around putting a notch in the phones believe me it gets better okay so it's a quad hd display so with an actual resolution of 3120 by 1440 with a pixel density of 516 pixels per inch it's a 2k display with a 19 and a half by 9 aspect ratio but it's a 90 hertz panel now the only two phones i know that exist are the razor phone the asus rog phone that have higher than 60 hertz that's correct i know the new ipads also have higher than 60 hertz as well but that is correct those are the only mobile devices i know of so mm -hmm. far so so apparently oneplus says that it is the first of its kind basically the 
a quad HD display with a 90 hertz refresh rate. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. And you know, they said the video didn't do justice, but actually feeling the 90 hertz when you use the phone is supposed to be one of the best parts about this phone. But like I said in the videos, they said you can't really notice it. But I'm excited whenever I pick one of these up for myself to actually feel that screen and see what the difference is. Right. And then kind of on top of that, obviously bringing back the in-screen fingerprint reader from the OnePlus 6T, it's got even faster now. Now they claim a 0.21 second unlock time, which is pretty quick. In the videos I've seen at least, it looks freaking fast. Yeah. Faster than any phone that I've seen. They've I've seen videos with comparisons and it blows all the other phones right out of the water. Right. So let's kind of jump into the camera aspect of it now, because I know that Dylan and Brennan, you guys wanted to talk about the camera, yeah. Um, just to kind of like get some of the specs out of the way real quick. So it's got three rear lenses. One is their main lens, uh, one is a telephoto lens, and one is a wide-angle lens. So the main lens is the uh, is the one we've seen on a lot of flagship phones now. The Sony IMX586. It's a 48 megapixel half-inch sensor with optical image stabilization and a an f1.6 aperture. So it's going to let in a lot of light. The telephoto lens is an 8 megapixel shooter with 3 times optical zoom and an f2.4 aperture. And the wide angle lens is a 16 megapixel shooter with a 117 degree field of view and an f2.2 aperture. Hmm. Pretty good stuff. Yeah, no, definitely. What are you guys thinking about that, honestly? They're uh, looking to give Google a run for their money because I know Google has a pretty, pretty good camera on their phone. For sure, for sure. But they, they don't have... Maybe the Plus does, but they don't have the multiple cameras for each one. I know, obviously, the iPhone, the Plus models, as of recent, does uh, the Xs. But... Right. And actually, so some of the pictures I've seen from this thing are looking pretty pretty awesome. Not quite up there with the software that Google has. So that's, uh, that's definitely a spot where they're kind of catching up. But really some great pictures coming from this phone. And then... No, the thing that you were really excited about actually was the front-facing camera, the 16-megapixel shooter uh, with an f2.0 aperture. It's a retractable camera that that goes in and out of the phone. <laughs> I was really scared about that, but we'll we'll talk about that in a second. You want to go ahead and keep going through the specs? Yeah, sure thing. So basically, the duration that that OnePlus claims when the camera comes out of the phone is supposed to take only 0.53 seconds, which is pretty quick. Hmm. Um, also, they, they pretty well claim that for the Face ID as well. So they do still have Face ID they can use. Not quite as fast as that in-screen fingerprint reader, but, but still very, very fast. And one of the craziest things I've ever seen at, at like a release event was watching OnePlus take the OnePlus 7 Pro camera opened and using it to pick up a 49 pound weight that was uh, my mouth dropped I, honestly i think everyone in the everyone in the crowd felt the same way but they did that specifically to show you that that camera was not going to break right right and basically the actual camera itself is rated for 300,000 opens and closes so it's 150 times per day for 5 years is what it's rated for and then on top of that, they actually have a free fall detection mode. So basically, if you happen to have the front camera open and you happen to drop your phone by any chance, it will retract the camera when it detects free fall. So that's that's really nice to see. And we watched a video. It was a little unfair because the person would drop it from a couple feet off the ground, not not a real distance at all, mm -hmm. but just hold it by the hold it by the bottom and drop it right on that that camera. But even after all of the drops and all of the testing he did. Whenever the entire phone was destroyed, the only thing that still worked was that camera. Right. 
Hmm. And now I've kind of just ranted on for a long time about the specs, but I want to get you guys' thoughts on this. So we're moving into definitely an age where we don't want to make compromises. We don't want to notch, but we also don't want to bezel. And it's just, you know, it's just so hard for these Hmm. companies to be able to make something that's really suiting our needs. So Dylan, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Like I said, I think this is an excellent uh, solution to the uh, no bezel, no notch problem. It's it's creative, and I'm glad to hear that they put a lot of time and effort into constructing that camera mechanism, that it's that durable, that no matter how many pictures you're going to take with it, it's not going to break. And it sounds like it's a good camera packed in the quality mechanism that's operating it. For sure. I mean, I was avidly against notches. I'm very happy to see that there is other companies out there that are trying to address the issue for sure no i I really like it yeah brennan what do you think about this i think that oneplus has a good solution on their hands my fear is that if someone would to try to cut corners with the camera uh mechanism that Mm -hmm. would be more detrimental i think you're very Um, much right but if if it's been rated and tested and shown that it's pretty durable and reliable then it's a great solution to the no notch Right. Very, very good screen to body ratio. So my my only concern about it is obviously you can test these things in a lab, but there's just honestly no telling how it will respond in the hands of a person. And I'm just somewhat right. concerned, obviously, with the longevity of this of this camera. That's a valid concern. But I think from what I've heard, their testing labs are very in-depth. And so there might, I mean, there's always a disconnect between the testing labs and the real world. But I think they're trying to close that gap as much as possible, too. Right. Honestly, Noah, as in-depth as maybe they go with their testing, I still don't know how much that compares to a real-world use. Yeah, that's that's true. It is what scares me. Mm -hmm. I guess time will just tell. Yeah, for sure. But honestly, I, I'm so excited about this phone. So I'm going to jump into some of the other quick features here. It has some stereo speakers. So it doesn't actually have two front-firing speakers. It only has a single front-firing speaker from the headset and then a bottom-firing speaker as well. So you might block that whenever you're watching a video or whatever on that nice screen. You might block that with your hand. You also have Warp Charge 30 back again from the OnePlus 6T. They're claiming 20 minutes of charging for 50% battery. What do you guys think about that in terms of the future of batteries? Batteries are definitely getting to the point where they're charging faster and faster. I actually, I just picked up an old Blackberry phone just for kicks and giggles to use. And it's amazing charging that thing, seeing how long it takes to charge versus even my, my Google Pixel. The difference is incredible. And to hear that it's still getting drastically faster, it's, it's crazy. I definitely agree, because I know I'll go back sometimes and charge my old Android phones, and it'll take like several hours to charge, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I've just become so spoiled with quicker charging. Exactly it. Yeah. (laughs) One of the first phones I've used that had quick charge was the Droid Turbo, Uh, maybe came out five years ago, and that had one of the first like Qualcomm quick charges. Yeah. Um, And ever since then, this even blows out of the water. I remember 20 minutes will get you about like 30%. Oh, wow, yeah. Now, just a few years later, it's almost doubled. And now we even have, like, fast wireless charging. It's not something we see on the OnePlus, per se, but, you know, that's that's definitely making its way out here, too. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the downsides of this, if I remember from my S7 Edge, is it actually hurts the battery over time. 
so I know that that's something that people are always concerned about is just like the heat and everything, you know, could potentially damage the battery in in a sense. But I'm sure that OnePlus has definitely done their testing in, in testing the longevity of the battery. But I actually don't know as much about that. I think Brennan probably knows a bit more about that than I do. What do you, what do you think about that, Brennan? Longevity of the battery? Yeah. It can always have a downfall in terms of charging i mean the battery always has a certain lifespan so it doesn't never lasts forever i have never seen a battery become less chargeable i mean i i well as of a couple weeks ago i still had that joy turbo and the battery was still perfectly fine after five years so i think that's not really of a concern well i was actually going to say my my google pixel the one that it has fast charging that i actually have noticed the battery it doesn't hold a charge as much as it probably should. Right. I think it's pretty well worn out and needs replaced. I think that my uh, my Galaxy S6 Edge is probably in the same boat as your Pixel, Dylan. And yeah. then I, I've had a couple other Android phones with a similar problem as well. So I, I know I think that your, your concern of the longevity of the battery and that you're taking in so much power and at once, you know, heating up the phone a little bit. OnePlus does claim that the phone isn't supposed to heat up as much as their past phones and as other phones do, uh, especially while you're using... Uh, intensive games or any other apps while you're actually charging the phone but that definitely is still something to be concerned about and you know that's because of their uh they implemented liquid cooling did they not they did actually implement some sort of liquid cooling mechanism in their uh in their phones now yes which would make one of the the first non-gaming phones to to see this technology that is my understanding i don't i'm not super familiar with that technology but that's definitely nice to see no, yeah, especially if you're trying to run 64 apps simultaneously. And then one of the other things they added in here was a larger haptic motor for more precise vibrations whenever you're interacting with the phone or whenever you receive an alert or anything like that. And then basically on top of all that, let's talk about the software. Oxygen OS is what OnePlus uses as their uh, is, is their operating system. So they've cleaned it up a lot and it's very, very close to stock Android. Not quite down to stock Android, but it's it's pretty freaking close. Now, do we know the differences between what is in Oxygen OS and stock Android? I mean, they probably have to add something or get rid of something. So my understanding is that they try to strip out any sort of duplication of apps. So you know how Samsung in their OS will kind of add their own versions of Google and stock Android apps and things mm-hmm. like that. My understanding is that OnePlus does their best to try to strip out most of those additional unneeded, unnecessary apps and uh, try to make the most stock Android experience but using their Oxygen OS. That's definitely a good thing. I, I hate Samsung's custom Android OSs. I uh, definitely agree. Bogs it down too much. On, a, on another note, <clears throat> if you have all this RAM, why not use it with their new RAM boost? Yeah, definitely. So I, I, was, I mentioned this a bit earlier. The uh, 64 or whatever number of apps that they claimed would hold in memory or or something to that effect basically they have uh this new feature that they've implemented called ram boost which basically preloads apps into your memory that you use most frequently it does some calculations and algorithms and things to determine which apps you use most frequently load them in ram and then uh basically overall provide a more uh snappy experience for uh for the user yeah this is this is a genius thing to to do especially if you have 12 gigs of RAM and a phone makes the whole user experience better. For sure. I know this actually, I think this is pretty similar to, we were talking a couple weeks about Intel Optane memory, which as you guys were discussing, does hold applications in memory. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. So uh, Intel now, if you went to like a Best Buy or Walmart, you've probably seen this where they have like a total memory sticker 
and they say this much RAM plus this much Intel Optane. So the Optane uh, is now being used as a cache for the RAM, where it tries to, like this, predict what applications are being used the most. Uh, usually the op- some of the operating system files, probably Google Chrome for most people, mm-hmm. and stores it inside that Intel Optane so it does load faster. I've never personally used it. I'm a little curious to try what see, see what the difference is. So a lot of laptop and desktop companies are now implementing something like that. Right. Um, and then just kind of uh, some of the downfalls, though, of the OnePlus, it does not have uh, wireless charging and it does not have an IP rating. So, Noah, I know that this was something you were concerned about, the phone not having an IP rating. Do you want to go ahead and express your concerns a bit? Well, even though they've, they've done some things to show some water resistance, I still think that an IP rating for the dust and water resistance is something that I think most flagship phones have, and I think it's something OnePlus should have gone with. And they even said that they're not excluding IP rating for all future phones, but it won't be on the OnePlus 7 Pro. And I know that we had done a bit of research and kind of determined that at least their reasoning was to keep down the cost of the phone. Yeah, and I, they've done a pretty pretty good job keeping down the cost, especially for the specs you're getting. I know I personally, I don't care as much about an IP rating. Um, and I know that the other two here probably feel similar to how I feel as far as that goes, because I don't plan on taking my phone near the water without, you know, having some concern that it's going to break. Honestly, like I, I don't take my phone anywhere near the water and I uh, I don't expect it to survive a, uh, a dunk in the pool or anything like that. So the only reason why I would care about water resistance is if it's an oopsie moment around the house. Right. <laughs> so I have like my phone near the sink and accidentally pump it into it. And I want to take it out of the sink and make sure it's not fried. That would be really the only scenario that I would say, thank God I had wire resistance. Now, OnePlus did show off that it had some sort of wire resistance. So that's, I'm confident enough that something like that would happen. And I had this phone that will be okay for the couple seconds it was submerged in water. Right. Dylan, what do you think about that? I pretty much echo the same sentiments. Like, as long as it has a little bit of water protection, like, I even know dust protection too, like... Where where I have been working previously, like I worked outside a lot, it gets dusty. <laughs> My phones would get all caked with dust. It's really no fun. Your charging port gets clogged. You've got to clean it out. I think the more stuff you can put into it to prevent water damage issues, like, for, like what Brendan said, around the house, dust issues from work, stuff like that, it's all well and good. But I don't know. I mean, looking at these specs and these price points, I I think that they made the right call keeping the price point down for not having a specification on it, as long as they demonstrated it, which they did. Right. So Now, do they know if, or do we know, if the IP rating costs something to have, or is it just in order to test it for greater detail, it would cost that much? It sounds like, to my understanding and to my knowledge, that it actually does cost money to have the company who does the IP rating actually uh, conduct the test okay. and actually certify it, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they, they cut it out, as they said, to save save some money for the users whenever you buy the phone. And uh, have we talked too much about the prices yet? No, I actually was kind of saving that just a bit for the end. So how much do you guys, uh, if you heard all this without knowing anything, you know, thinking about kind of all the other phones uh, that have come out, Recently, the Galaxy S10, you know, started at $899. The S10 Plus started at $999, both with their base storage of 128 gigs. And the iPhone XR came out at $749. 
with their base model uh, of 64 gigabytes. So how much do you guys think this would cost? Judging from that, probably around the $900 mark. Right. Mm-hmm. Of all the other Android offerings. I'd have to match that, yeah. 850 to 900 uh, right. starting price. I would say it would be at least, at least what the uh, other competition is offering. It looks like the specs are like there and slightly above, I would say. I would, yeah, 900 sounds about right. OnePlus's base model of the OnePlus 7 Pro comes in at $669. That's impressive. It is. For 6 gigabytes of RAM and 128 gigabytes of storage, which is already impressive. And then add another $30 onto that, $699, you get 2 additional gigs of RAM and you double the storage effectively. And then up at $749, matching the same price as Apple's budget iPhone, you get 12 gigabytes of RAM and 256 gigabytes of storage. That, that's the comparison I was looking at. The max model of this phone matches Apple's, like the, the minimal offering from Apple. Like that is, wow. I know this is a bit up from the OnePlus 6T, which came in at $579. And the OnePlus 6 came in at $529. And I know that people are kind of complaining a little bit because it's more expensive than you know, OnePlus's past offerings. But, you know, I don't feel like their pricing is that unjustified. No, certainly not. I feel like they're delivering flagship specs, and honestly, on paper, they're competing with the Galaxy S10, and honestly, with the with the new upgraded storage and additional RAM, I would say they're pretty well, effectively, almost ahead yeah. of Samsung on That's this. what I was saying. Like, yeah, I, I think it would be there or a little bit above and you're slashing off three, maybe $400, depending on which model of maybe the Galaxy S10 that you go with. Yeah. I'd say that pretty well effectively wraps up our discussion on the OnePlus 7 Pro. I'm really excited to see this. I, As I mentioned earlier, my, my friend Alec did go up to the conference. He did pre-order one, so I'm hoping to see that sometime soon and kind of give you guys an update on how cool that thing is, but I'm really excited to see it. I kind of want to get into the Google Pixel 3 now. So another phone that was released recently at Google's I.O. Uh, conference not too long ago here. Their new more budget phone, the uh, the Google Pixel 3a. And we had had a discussion on this earlier, you know, kind of the pros and cons of this device. And I would like to talk about it here on the podcast. So just kind of jumping right into the tech specs here, we have a Snapdragon 670 rather than a more powerful uh, Snapdragon 855 that we see on a lot of the flagships. And then we have an Adreno 615 uh, graphics processor and 4 gigabytes of RAM and 64 gigabytes of storage. So this phone sounds somewhat underwhelming. I suppose you would probably agree, right? Oh, yeah. Um, But I'm assuming that that is for the cost cuts to make it a more budgetable phone. Yeah, it is. So it's coming in at a lot lower price than in comparison to a lot of the flagship devices, including the Pixel 3 when it came out. Mm Mm-hmm. So basically, the the back, instead of being a brushed glass, is actually now a polycarbonate, so it's a plastic body, and on the front, instead of using the Gorilla Glass that we've kind of all uh, come to know is is pretty common on a lot of Android phones, they're now using a Dragon Tail Glass. This is actually the first time I've seen Dragon Tail Glass on, uh, on a phone. So we've got two variants of the Pixel 3a. One is the Pixel 3a, and the other one is the Pixel 3a XL. So the Pixel 3a has a 5.6-inch display, uh, full HD, 2220 by 1080. It's another OLED panel with 441 pixels per inch. 
and an 18 and a half by nine aspect ratio and a 3000 milliamp hour battery. And then the Pixel 3 AXL has a six inch display, also a full HD panel, 2160 by 1080, also an OLED panel, but only at 402 pixels per inch and an 18 by nine aspect ratio rather than an 18 and a half by nine aspect ratio. And that's paired with a 37,000 milliamp hour battery. I gotta say, I, I'm assuming we're gonna get to the pricing in a bit, but the price difference between these two phones for an extra 0.4 inches and a little bit more battery, that's that's a pretty big number. It is. I agree, Dylan. We'll get it to is the a, prices, but that yeah, is, we will, wow. We will actually get to the numbers here in a bit, but it is a big jump. And actually, now that we're kind of on the topic of the price, I, I won't say it quite yet, but if you notice, the uh, Pixel 3 XL has a... A less pixel dense display. Yeah, I noticed that. That is that is weird. It is a larger it is a larger display, but it is less pixel dense. So you might notice that it might not look quite as crisp as the Pixel 3a display. So I'm a little unsure why they went kind of that route with it. You would think, if anything, the Pixel 3a XL would be better because you're jumping up quite a bit in price. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's all in that uh, XL name, the marketing of it, like. People just see XL is probably better. For sure. Going on to the actual camera of the of the phone, we have a front camera with an 8 megapixel shooter and an f2.0 aperture. And then the rear camera is going to be a 12.2 megapixel with a uh, f1.8 aperture. Not not looking at the price so far, um, definitely underpalming compared to what we just looked at. I know, I, I definitely agree. I'm <laughs> eager to find out what the price is on finding out the, uh, the viewers. So, uh, yeah, that, that does seem quite a bit underwhelming, and I definitely want to come back to that camera for sure. So kind of some of the software, uh, some of the software features behind it are uh, Android 9 Pie, obviously the latest release of Android, and it will have the Google Camera app as the Google Pixel 3 does. So that's what I think really sets this phone apart uh, from other phones at this price point. It's going to be its camera and really that camera software yeah. that goes behind that. So effectively, without, I believe, one of the processing chips from the camera, it is the same camera from the Google Pixel 3. Okay. I think uh, Google is really trying to get their camera out there. So if you really like their camera, but you can't afford their you know, Pixel 3, then you can, you can get this budget phone, but you don't sacrifice the camera. I like how Google has taken a different route for a budget smartphone. So I know in comparison to maybe the the Pocophone that we kind of showcased a couple weeks ago, it suffers in comparison of the specs, but the camera is pretty well unprecedented in comparison. The Google Pixel 3a camera is going to be effectively the same camera that you have on the Google Pixel 3 that when released cost almost double that, I believe. What do you guys think about the route that Google has taken They've kind of taken more of uh, an opposite approach of where budget or more mid-tier flagships usually go in terms of, of specs and everything. So they've kind of pulled back a little bit more in the specs department, but really kind of beefed up the whole experience of uh, stock Android and then having a nice camera as well. I think that's something to look forward to because I remember, as we mentioned earlier, like Samsung's OS is pretty in my opinion, terrible. Whether it's having stock Android, I think that that alone automatically speeds up the phone over some, mm -hmm. some Samsung offerings. Especially that Google's making it. You would think that Google would optimize their own backed operating system to match something like this so it's not terribly slow. 
Right. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm really excited to see this phone because I guarantee that it will be the best camera that you can get in this price point, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they're shooting for with this. And that's probably why they, they downed the specs to keep the camera. For people who love cameras and like taking pictures and stuff, this is a great phone, mm-hmm. especially since it's so cheap. But we'll get to that here soon. Right. And then just kind of wrapping that up, some more of the features, basically, it does have stereo speakers, uh, similar to the OnePlus. It actually has a downward firing speaker and a a speaker facing towards you, basically, which is uh, from the headpiece. And then, obviously, it has USB-C for charging. It still has the squeeze functionality that the Google Pixel 3 had and does still have a headphone jack. It also does not have a notch, so it does have a bit more, it does have some more bezel on the top and the mm-hmm. bottom. It still has a more of a top bezel, and it does still have a chin. And it also does not include wireless charging or an IP rating. That's the same as the OnePlus 7. But how about that 15 minutes of charge for 7 hours of battery life? That is uh, that is what Google claims. That is their attempt at the uh, at the fast charging. And what about USB-C? Just on a side note, how, mm-hmm. do you, how do you guys feel about USB-C and it becoming a standard? I definitely like, uh, like where that's going. Um, I didn't actually, I don't know if I mentioned that earlier on the OnePlus 7 Pro, but obviously it, it still uses USB-C as well. But in my personal opinion, I think USB-C is definitely a step in the right direction mm-hmm. in something that's more standardized uh, across kind of all platforms. It's going to sound petty, but I really like the fact that it's whatever way you insert it, it works. Right. From compared to the older chargers that the methods they used. Like the micro USB. Yes. Um, and I also like... Um, I like the fact that you can use adapters for USB-C, that there's lots of standardized adapters that you can use in there. There's more functionality than just charging. It's a it's a good protocol, and I'm glad to see they're going with that, especially since uh, the laptop market is also kind of headed in that direction with lots of USB-C tools and charging. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the download of what you just mentioned is that a lot of people get confused on what each USB-C device supports. So, for example, I don't know if this has HDMI out or not, but they definitely sell HDMI to USB-C adapters. Mm-hmm. And uh, consumers could be confused and uneducated of what their device supports. So, that would be really my own one only negative to USB-C. But other than that, it's such a, on the flip side, such an open standard that a lot of things can use it for a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I'm happy to see a whole bunch of people going to this standard. I'm, uh, I'm actually very glad that you brought up that point about kind of, you know, consumers may not be educated as much on kind of all the inner workings of USB-C and everything. And I think you bring up a very good point about, obviously, I don't actually think that this phone supports HDMI out. So that's actually a good example. But I definitely think that w- with time, I'm hoping that we grow to really educate our consumers more and, you know, make sure that everyone obviously knows what it can and cannot support. But I definitely think it is a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And then just kind of wrapping up the uh, Pixel 3a here, I want to talk a bit about the price. So we've heard the specs and we've heard everything about it. You know, it sounded sort of underwhelming, as I mentioned, in comparison to the OnePlus 7 Pro. But it comes in at $399 for the Pixel 3a and $479 for the Pixel 3a XL. That's that's a pretty good competitive price. I think that it would have to be, you know, couple hundred dollars cheaper than the one we just looked at in order for it to get any sort of foothold right so what do you guys think about so now the pixel 3 has been out for a while 
so it's a bit down in price. So do you think it would make more sense to go buy a Pixel 3 for maybe $200 more than the Pixel 3a XL? Or would it make more sense to kind of stick with the Pixel 3a? very dependent on the user yeah i know a lot of people that would be very happy with the specs of this phone for the price yeah if something's better and something will last me longer i don't mind paying an extra couple hundred dollars for something that would last me for a longer time right and it's it is all dependent so some people might not just simply be able to afford that more expensive phone but i i just keep seeing the price difference between the 3a and the 3a xl and i think it's a little much i 100 percent agree that is for like i said that extra couple points whatever inches in screen that they're adding and a little bit more battery and it's a lower pixel density screen i mean yeah it is just not adding up there. it is an additional 80 dollars for for just that correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure the xl just in height wise increases it and it's not in width wise that i actually believe you're correct on as well but i i do not 100 percent know so i would have to look but I definitely agree with you, Dylan. I think that that's a pretty big jump in price for not a lot of gain. I yeah. mean, obviously, just wanting a larger phone versus, you know, not. But And, I mean, they make some increases in the, in the battery life and the screen size, but they also make some cuts with the screen itself. Yeah. But then the price is still up there so high. It's arguably partially a downgrade in terms of, like, the screen not, not looking as nice. It's just a bigger screen and i'm not even sure how you might be able to tell i would honestly have to see them side by side it may honestly be negligible but it we would definitely it's pretty close but yeah right we would just definitely have to see it in person to be able to give a yeah. more justified answer so I've, I've just spent a lot of time talking and i want to hear more from these other two um so we brought them on the show today to talk about their capstone project and i want to hear about that from dylan and brennan so Guys, I'm really excited to have you on the show today to talk about your project. So can you kind of tell the audience what your project is and like tell us really a bit about it? Sure. We are making a project called Mailman, which is a uh, mail manager, hence the name, (laughs) uh, uh, for Ubuntu-based server systems to set up a Postfix and Dovecot mail server. Yeah, it's going to have lots of features on it, like letting you choose between POP3 or IMAP, you know, how you access it. Uh, You can create and delete system users for email purposes, and it'll provide you all your DNS info and have all your DNS info right there, so you can just pretty much copy-paste it into whatever DNS provider you're using. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. What exactly drove you to to do this project, both of you? Well, for me, one of our classes at, at school, we were setting up these mail servers, and how do you guys remember how long we spent on this? It was at least a week. It was it was quite a long time in the in the server admin class, I believe, is when we set it up. And I, I still don't actually ever think I got mine correctly. No, we I don't think we did either. And the, the documentation was all over the place. It was very complicated, and we wanted to make the process easier. I figure if a bunch of college students can't get it figured out, even our teacher was having a hard time. We all of us together couldn't get it figured out quite the way it should work. So we figured if one of us buckles down, figures out what makes these mail servers tick and automate the process a bit so everybody else can do it, then that's, that's something that's pretty marketable, that you don't have to go running to Google or Microsoft for your mail server needs. Right. Yeah, a lot, a lot of that was also why I wanted to do it, mostly for the fact that people can run their own mail servers, like what Dylan said, without relying on a third-party service. 
Um, I think that'll be a huge plus for smaller businesses and things like that that don't want to pay exorbitant amounts for mail servers mm-hmm. to make something easy to use. Right. We'll talk a little bit more about the pay for this later. We're working on a scheme right now for that. And then do you guys want to talk a bit about like the tools and what, what kind of all uh, are the inner working things that you're using to create your application? Sure. We are mostly using a uh, LAMP stack minus the MySQL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so really Apache and uh, PHP. Mm-hmm. We're also, as mentioned, obviously using uh, Postfix and Dovecot for the mail server and the um, protocols to connect to the mail server. To edit the code, we uh, use Visual Studio Code as our text editor, and we also have a testing development server that we uh, upload code to GitHub and things like that on test our program. We're also we have uh, two servers right now up in DigitalOcean. If you haven't explored DigitalOcean for your uh, cloud computing needs, I highly recommend it. We have two servers up there now. One of them is a testing server that we actually. We went through, we found a really, really nice article. It was very in-depth that went through all of these steps needed to set up a mail server. We followed that, and we actually have a functional mail server set up now, so that's um, one of them. We're also using WordPress. That's going to be our main, our distribution site for distributing the software. And right. we're also implementing some uh, support ticket functionalities and stuff on that site as well, which mm-hmm. are through plugins. Gotcha. So then actually, as far as the application goes, though, I believe you're using Bootstrap. Is that correct? Yes, the application itself is using Bootstrap. We have two separate themes picked out, one for the setup interface and one for the administrative interface. Brennan right now is working on some of the interface things, and I'm working on the administrative interface a little bit. But yeah, Bootstrap has been very helpful in this process. We don't have to build everything from the ground up. Mm -hmm. It's a great tool. So... I know that it really hasn't been easy for you guys along the way. I know you've definitely hit some roadblocks. And uh, so what do you guys think are probably some of your biggest roadblocks that you've hit so far? By far the biggest one was the ability to run things as a root user. Securely. Um, Securely, yes. So you can very unsecurely make the data user, who is the user for Apache, run things with sudo privileges. I don't. I don't think I need to go into detail on why it's terrible. <laughs> uh, so I I was doing a bit of research and had I figured out that there was something called expect, which you can tell a script to expect certain things whenever you run certain programs. So I simply had it expect a password prompt, and you can sign in as another user and run a command signing in with a different password. So we have pre-baked. Uh, scripts and commands that a user can run and all they have to do is type in a uh, password into a modal whenever it's required for them to use the root privileges so that was that definitely took forever to try to figure out what was a secure way to do it right i'm really glad you guys did end up getting that working though i believe you did uh, actually get get all that kind of working and yep. everything and I, I definitely know that took you quite a while but that's uh that's actually really cool to really cool to see that you guys got that yeah, this guy's a champ with that. You, you make it, it's just a, an instance of a class. You plug in the uh, command you want to run, and away it goes. It's, it's really awesome. Very nice. Um, on my end, I actually ran into some issues with... DNS is a lot more complicated than I thought. <laughs> I'll say that much. So there's just a lot more records than your basic A records, your, your mail server records. There's a bunch of things. There's DKIM records, which is a new term. 
DMARC records, which is also new, SPF records. I hadn't heard of anything, any of these things before I started looking into it. There's a lot more that goes into DNS than what meets the eye, I guess. So it took a while to research those and figure out how exactly that needed set up. Right. I definitely don't know a ton about that either, Dylan. So yeah. I'm really glad you're kind of going and learning about about that. But... Yeah, it's uh, complicated. Yeah, w- without those, ser- a lot of services like Gmail and Yahoo and even some other ones will automatically flag your message as spam and return it back to the sender. Yeah. Which is obviously not good for a um, automated mail server setup. So that was another one huge thing that we had to look into and try to rem- remedy. That's where I got all those uh, DNS records in. I think we have it so that it can send to... Did we get it working for Yahoo? Yes. We got it working for Outlook. It'll go to Outlook clients now. But yeah, it, it, it was complicated. I still don't think it, it goes to spam in Google, but we think we've established that... It almost has to go through like a validation sort of thing with Google that so many people have to mark it as not spam. Well, that that's the going theory, anyways. I have to look into that some more, but I think, I think we also made Google pretty mad. Yeah, prob- probably. <laughs> lots of lots of test emails. Well, that's pretty crazy. All the measures you have to go through these days. It's insane to, to set up a mail server that's yeah reliable. And, well, it's nice to see you guys are uh, getting through your issues and and making good progress on this. Mm-hmm. Um, some other things about the project whenever you're installing it specifically it does i noticed whenever you were working on it one day it does checks to make sure you have everything all the packages you need and even installs them is that correct yep uh i i started work on that brendan can probably tell you more he's uh wrapping that up so there there's certain programs that need to be installed for everything to work obviously the expect one is a, is a huge one so we we create a uh a class that will actually kill the program and make you install something because without, for example, expect the program can't run because yeah. it can't run things as root privileges for still important but not absolutely crucial programs like Postfix and Dovecot and Certbot. We have checks that'll make sure those things are installed on your server, and if not, we have a simple th- alert that says these aren't installed, and you can actually install them right in the browser by just typing in the root password of your server. So we have to do a whole bunch of these checks to make sure that everything will run smoothly for the user so there's no errors when trying to run these commands. Mm-hmm. It definitely sounds like you guys had a lot of work cut out for you. It definitely sounds like you got a lot of stuff ahead, but it sounds like you've really made a lot of progress so far. For sure. Did you guys have anything else that you wanted to kind of tell us about your uh, about your application? Well, right now, um, Dylan and I are working on monetization model mm-hmm. we've been looking at several competitors as mentioned like google microsoft to try to compete with their uh solutions for mail and other office collaboration stuff so we haven't nailed down a, a perfect system yet but we're trying to come in at a price point that is competitive to those while making sense for the user and for us to provide these services right and we also are going to offer uh, support for people who want to install it locally as well so, again, we haven't nailed on the uh, exact specifics, but they would pay a monthly fee and uh, any problems that they would have, we would support them on them. Right. I think we also came up with a pretty innovative solution to this problem. Like one of the big things that the other companies are offering, like G Suite and uh, Office 365, they offer cloud document editing functionalities, which um, Brennan actually found if you install NextCloud, they have this thing called Collabora Online that it's an online document editor 
that is actually very nice. So we're going to, I think we're going to package that in with the, if we're doing the hosting, we're going to mm-hmm. package that on there as well. So they have that available. I'm so. guessing that's also like an open source application. Yes, it's, also, it's open okay. source, all free. Very nice. Yeah. Do you guys have anything else that you'd like to tell us about your about your application? Dylan and I's goal is to make this as, as much before as user friendly uh, as possible, mm-hmm. which we'll see if we get there in the couple yeah. of weeks that it's due. Right. <laughs> so, besides of that, yeah, that's 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 our biggest goal with this, and we hope that whenever we do finally get to release it, at least in the beta state in a couple of weeks here, that it'll help a lot of people out. Yeah. Dylan and Brennan, thank you guys so much for being on the show today. Thank uh, you for having us. Yeah, no absolutely. Um, it was really great to hear about your guys' application. Thank you for participating and mm-hmm. uh, getting involved in the show. Had a really great time. Noah, do you have anything else you want to close out with? No, this has been a great show. Like like he said, thanks for coming on the show, and I guess we'll we'll start again next week. Yeah, thank you guys, and thank you for taking this ride on the IT Superhighway.